Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock, and I'll be the host or moderator for the podcast. And we're talking today, once again, with Susan Mundahl, the senior attorney at Mundahl Law. How are you, Susan? I'm great, David. Today, Susan, we'll be talking about custody and or parenting time with teenagers. Let me just start with a question. Why are teenagers that much different? Really good question, David. When you're looking at teenagers, one of the questions that is most commonly asked is, when can a child say which parent they want to live with? The answer really is, the older the child is, the more the court is willing to give weight to the child's stated preference. Obviously, the older the child, the more mature they are, and the more they are able to state it. That's why it's important for us to talk about teenagers today and how they are different. So children or young people need to have a certain maturity. Is there a certain age that is looked at? That's a really good question. And the answer is no. There is no age in the statute. The courts just have it in their discretion to determine whether a child is of a certain age and maturity. So for instance, I had a case where it was a 14-year-old girl, and the court inquired of the child rather innocuous sounding questions about her life in general and whether she knew the difference between right and wrong and those things. And the court made a determination she was not of a sufficient age and maturity to express a preference. So the court ignored her preference, because in the end, the court has to do what's in the best interest of the children. There's a case in the early 2000s where it was a 16-year-old boy who expressed the preference. But in that case, the court still didn't consider the preference of the child because the court found that the child had been unduly influenced by his father. The father had gone to great lengths promising the boy a car and wanting to set up his brother as the child's guardian in order to be able to get custody of the child. And the court found in the end that it wasn't in the 16-year-old's best interest to modify custody in that case. That also points out what I want to bring up today, which is there's basically two different situations where it is very important to consider teenagers and what their preferences might be. What are those times, Susan? Well, first is if the parties are going through a divorce and they have teenage children, because divorce is a time of transition and the parties are breaking up the houses, although best case is one of the parties maintains the homestead. I think the important considerations when you have teenagers there, how can we disturb them as little as possible? Because teenagers in particular are working on their social relationships And they're also working on a time in their life when they are working on separating from their parents and moving into independence. And so we want to encourage that. 
really, when parties argue about custody and parenting time, it's a little ridiculous because, quite frankly, once the child turns 15 or 16, they have a well-developed social life that they don't have time for parents anyway. Parents who get into a competition about wanting to make sure that the child stays with them is a little ridiculous because the older they get, once they hit 16, a teenager, they have their own social life and they have their own friends and oftentimes they have a job and a lot of times they have vehicles. The point I'm trying to make is that they need to be in a spot where that's going to allow them freedom to be able to engage in those activities and security of knowing that the parents are still there when they need them. And that involves two parents. What do you think is the best custody and parenting time plan for teenagers, Susan? Well, I really think in most cases, when the parents are considered equal, it should just be to have it be joint legal and physical custody of the child. Oftentimes, when I'm dealing with 16, 17-year-olds, I will put in the parenting schedule is as can be agreed between the parties in consideration of the child's extracurricular activities, social activities, and employment. It just makes the most sense. The practical matter for parents is you need to recognize that neither of you are going to see your child as much as possible, and your best parenting plan is also to help them into becoming more and more independent. Those are the best parenting plans that folks can enter into as a part of a divorce plan. As a parent myself of some young people who were teenagers before they moved out, you're right. They do have a lot of things going on, and they sometimes are just coming and going as they please. But you mentioned that we have another timing in their life that we need to consider. What is that? Well, that's when, say, the parties have been divorced a number of years, and now the children are teenagers. They are now 13, 14, 15 on up years old. And what may have been a fine working parenting schedule for the parties, it has now changed. I have seen situations where one of the spouses, ex-spouses, have decided to remarry. I had one where the teenage boy, 16 years old, did not get along with the new husband. And so he asked to go live with dad. And I've seen it both with boys and girls. They become teenagers, and now they want an opportunity to live with the other parent. I think in a lot of cases that it's really in their best interest to let them experience that. And so you can modify custody and parenting time. Ideally, if the parties already have joint legal and physical custody, you don't have to modify custody at all. You can modify the parenting schedule. Since child support is involved, usually the easiest way is if the parties enter into mediation and they talk about what's in the best interest of their child. If the child is a teenager over the age of 14, say, then they might want to consider child-inclusive mediation so that the child actually can express their preference if they have one. The best case is that at that time they reach agreements and then they go to a competent attorney, family law attorney like myself, and they have their stipulation written up. And in it, they should then talk about what child support is going to do. But the warning I want to give is you shouldn't be basing where your children live on whether you're going to get child support or have to pay child support, because that's not in the best interest of the child. And I certainly hope that you will look beyond that factor and understand that teenagers do cost money and you each should pay your fair share of those costs. But that should not be the stopping block itself. 
If the parties aren't in agreement, Susan, what then would be a legal path to pursue changing custody or parenting time? Well, the first thing is the parties do need to attempt good faith mediation. But the statutes that are involved, there's actually two. One is Minnesota Statute 518.175, which just talks about changing parenting time. The general rule of thumb there in the case is that as so long as you're not changing the primary home of the child, you can adjust the parenting schedule in the best interest of the child. But then the other statute called the Modification of Custody and Parenting Time is Minnesota Statute 518.18. And that one says you can modify custody basically for four different reasons. The ones that are pertinent to this issue, the first one is the parties agree, and we've just talked about that. The second one I have seen happen with teenagers is the child has been integrated into the home of the petitioner with the permission of the other parents. So the way I've seen it, in one case, the boy was such a pain in the neck to his mother that she said, go live with your father, and she even rented out the child's room. Dad took the child in, changed his school, got him a dog and a bike. You notice it's a fact situation on what integration into the home is, but really he'd been with dad for the entire school year, and so that was a case where the courts found that the child had been integrated into dad's home with mom's permission, even if mom changed her mind after the fact. And I've seen it happen in several cases that way. And again, I have seen it with both teenage boys and teenage girls. The third way that you can change it is if their current home environment is an endangerment to their emotional or physical well-being to the child and that the change to the other parent is more beneficial than harmful. And that follows for all children, but the way I've seen it with teenagers, again, is when there is a new spouse or new boyfriend or girlfriend, and that person is abusive to the child. In that case, oftentimes the other parent is seen as the best route. And so in that case, we have to bring this modification of custody under 518.18. And the final way is if a parent has been intentionally interfering with or denying parenting time. The way I see that with teenagers is I had a case where the 16-year-old boy just refused to go to dad's house. Mom just said, well, I'm not going to make him go. And the courts found it was not in the best interest of that child to not be attending school. He was engaging in criminal actions. And so we found that mother had interfered with and denied father parenting time. And the courts then did change custody to father. It runs the whole gambit. But in every case, you've got a teenager who says, not going to do it, I'm not. And it does become increasingly difficult because, as one judge put it, well, a child that's not happy is going to walk. They're going to make their decision on where they want to live. And my main point I want to say is the older they are, the more they should be involved in that decision on who they really want to stay with and that the party should remain flexible. But I also think it's really important that the parents have a unified front. This is a time if the two of you haven't been getting along before, instead of pointing fingers and trying to blame each other, the best thing you can do for your teenager is to sit down and have a talk with them, first to each other, and get real. And if you can't do it by yourself, then do family counseling because your teenagers deserve that. This is their final stage to becoming effective adults in society, and you want to give them the best start you possibly can. I wish you all the best because teenagers are not easy, but 
I think it's well worth the time and effort. And if you have questions about whether there should be a modification, that's exactly what I do. I do reduced rate consultations just to talk about whether there's enough statutory grounds to make the change. Thank you very much, Susan. You bet, David. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundall Law website at mundalllaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.